knock, knock. Who's there? Refresh your podcast feed. <laughs> it's all, it's, it's knock, all... knock. We're not going away. <laughs> all through summer, baby. Knock, knock. I'm knocking from inside your house because I never left and I'm never going to. <laughs> Want a cuppa? <laughs> I popped the kettle on. I popped your kettle on. <laughs> Footy's over. Footy's over. We're but not over. Fangirls ain't over. We just love hanging out with each other so much that we've decided that we're going to keep doing this uh, for I don't know when. Probably stop around Christmas. Who knows? I'm no, protect- fuck that. I'm coming in on Christmas. <laughs> I hate my family. That's not true. I love you all equally. I'm, I'm pretending I care about trade talk just to keep our Tiger Girls group chat going. <laughs> I love trade talk because it's like gossip and a gal loves gossip. I love in our Tiger Talk... Amy putting in serious updates at the moment and then Brody will sometimes will come in and go, now, should we be worried about that? <laughs> and, and we'll say yes or no. I it's love a legitimate your... question. Yeah. yeah. Because it's also like I'm happy with who we've got, but if we get someone new, I'll probably be happy with that too. I'll buy their badge. I have a real question if people get royalties from buying their badges. <gasps> Imagine that is a great that. question. Remember when we went into the, we went into the superstore the day before the – um, game we're not going to speak about the prelim. I don't know um, what you're talking about. I don't remember it at all. But we went into the Tigerland Superstore just to like spend some money. <laughs> and the guy was like, which badges would you like? Daniel Rioli sold out. And I yeah. was like, is he getting some Surely they have like at that? least a competition yeah. among themselves. Well, he's won. Last year, Dusty was sold out by the time the grand final parade had come around. Oh, of course. Mm. Of course. And then they re-released the badges that were like, Brownlow, Norm Smith, like they couldn't fit all his stuff on his badges. Do people like listening to this? I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. Cut. And other badge facts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week for more badge facts. Um, So in this episode. In this episode of Fangirls, we're going to be chatting to Casey Simons, who is a brilliant like footy fandom. Like she writes about fandom and women and gender and sport in a way that it just like pushes all of our buttons. They're um, all pushed. She's also the women's footy editor of the Footy Almanac, which just released its second women dedicated women's issue recently. And she's also a bananas West Coast Eagles fan uh, because she defied her dad, who was a Richmond fan, and decided to go for West Coast for no particular reason as a child living in regional Other Victoria. Than yeah, which <laughs> is I wonderful. Mean, it turned out pretty well for her, hey? It did. Like it we did. jumped off Hawthorne. Oh. We could have had so many flags. Lest we forget, never. I, you know, we made the right decision. We did. Waited three to three years, but we made the right decision. <laughs> um, but it was really nice talking to her as well about the win, I guess, because there was a little grand yeah. final on the weekend that was a and pretty you, you extraordinary one. You might have noticed one. that last week we didn't do a Collingwood-centric episode because it was too fresh and too raw. Why would we? And what? too sad and... We would have hated it. Also, no one wanted to listen to that anyway. Oh, don't get No, we were doing. We've got we some well, pies. We've we got welcome some pies our listeners. black and white um, scarf wearing listeners. I shouldn't say this, but I was uh, I was going for Collingwood on the no, day. No, I know. Yeah, and I because I just get too emotional. You love Nathan Buckley. I know. I get too emotional. I just Ugh. want a Bucks to get his flag. I love Dugowie. I just wanted them to get there. I love Grundy. You love Dugowie? Well, just I felt. I don't him. like you using the love word for Collingwood. I'm not using it in general. I'm, look, it's just it was just in that Who's moment. Who's your favourite Brody, me or Grundy? Grundy, sorry. Fuck your second. off. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> but no, but what I mean is I get emotional within the game. So I started going neutral, but then halfway during the game, they kept cutting to Bucks' face and I just felt for him and I got this rush of 
emotions and I decided I wanted Collingwood to win. And then I swear to God, I've been saying this a little bit this week and maybe I should stop saying it because I think it makes me sound a bit unhinged. I feel well, like go on. <laughs> I feel like something that something ripped in the space time continuum. I think Collingwood was meant to win that grand final. I heard you no. saying this on your radio yep. show. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. Something something ripped, something tall. No, because you know what? Emma and I were texting. So Emma, our VFL astrologer, she realized that she forgot that air could also mean sick marks. <laughs> of course. So nothing ripped in the space time continuum. How about that banner? Um, oh, that's, so that, that's, but that's what I mean. I think it was the banner. And Michael J. Fox came flying through at that exact moment. <laughs> and it then was the banner. It was the runner. It was Michael the J. Stunner. Fox. I think it was just that the Eagles played a really... invented rock and roll. It yeah. was Michael J. Fox Calvin invented a really extraordinary game of football. And Biff turned <laughs> up with the almanac. And was, the almanac! The almanac! Oh, circle, baby! That was really good. <laughs> Casey Simons, welcome to Fangirls. Thank you all for having me here. I'm so happy to be here tonight. This is such a big week for you as a fangirl of the West Coast Eagles. Yes, big week is an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm surprised you can fit us into your celebrations. Well, I was just like, if this is an excuse to talk more about the West Coast Eagles, I'm all about it. So please let me go. <laughs> we were just saying before, like this time last year, we were celebrating the Tigers grand final win and all of our moments have been coming up in our Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. And I think that if someone had said to me last year, do you want to come on a podcast and just talk about Tigers? You yeah. couldn't have held me back. I just had so much I needed to say about the grand final. So I'm assuming you're just full of things you need to say as well. Yeah, there's so many things I want to say, but then also there are no words at the same time. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just like this kind of like pent up energy of like, I can't believe it happened. I've got no words to describe that feeling, but all I want to do is talk about it. Because so. you had quite a long wait yourself. Like the la- the one... The last one was 2006? 2006. Wait, that Correct. is not, excuse me. That is not <laughs> no, a lot. No, but the Eagles are the clubs that aren't we had terrible. Dark days. <laughs> the Eagles are the most consistent team in getting grand finals. It's like every decade yeah. you just wait a little bit long enough that you're feeling the urge. Granted, yeah. they've only been around for a few decades. <laughs> yeah, but the, we've been around for a long time. We spent nearly four decades Mate, not getting I'm one. I'm not denying that our struggle has been far more intense <laughs> but in terms of like modern day football and clubs that are consistent yeah. that's a pretty that's a long time I guess thank you for acknowledging that because You're I don't welcome. think a lot of people give me that credit so it has been a long time <laughs> <laughs> and um, especially when you throw a losing grand final in there too in 2015 yeah. that was really tough to sit through especially when it was a Hawthorne three-peat that um, uh, Hawthorne were gifted after that and all I could hear for weeks after was three-peat, three-peat. Oh, my oh, God. Mate, oh, my brutal. family go for Hawthorne and then I had to deal with Fawthorne and then it didn't oh. happen. Thank no. Christ. Oh, that didn't happen. <laughs> Thank God for that, yes. So, Casey, do you want to go back and let us know? Because you are – am I right in saying you're like Victorian born and bred? Correct. How the heck <laughs> did the West Coast Eagles become your footy team? Yeah, so I don't come off too great in this story, but um, basically oh, I grew up in the country. I'm from Mildura 
Um, and I was the firstborn in my family and my dad was a big Tigers man, actually. Oh. <laughs> dun, dun, Let's get him dun. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some stories for you. Um, so being the firstborn, he tried to get me to go for Richmond and I was just such a brat of a kid. I just love saying the word no. So um, I didn't like being told what to do and it got to a point where he said to me, well, everyone has a footy team. If you're not going to go for Richmond, just pick another Victorian team. And I don't like being told what to do. So I just picked West Coast randomly just to be annoying. And it was around that time that they won their first flag. So I was um, five years old when they won in 92. And I was like, well, they're pretty good. I'm going to stick with them. <laughs> Does that mean they were like established around a similar time, like around the year that you were born? Yeah. So they were um, formed the year before I was born and their first season was 87, which was the year I was born. So they were the same age as me. Just make that the story. <laughs> yeah, I should. Hey, My I was a really good child. <laughs> I feel like if I had have known this then maybe you wouldn't be on the podcast but anyway (laughs) (laughs) my friend Sinead has a similar like her dad immigrated to Melbourne from Ireland and the year that West Coast were formed in 86 and so that's why they're his team and the family's team and she I had never heard this story before they made the grand final on the weekend but she said that her, her dad loved the Eagles so much that he used to just say Peter Sumich's name to her as a kid to the point that Sumich was her first word oh as God. a baby. She That's and I amazing. have been friends for so long and I only just heard this like incredible story. Oh, That's that is so, so good. good. Also, what? That is, oh, that is something. Is this so many follow-up questions. But Sumich. <laughs> and also in a very I- thick Irish accent. Sumich. And this is That's also terrible. your friend that finds BT endearing? Oh, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's decided that BT is like a surreal comedy maestro. Anyway, we're getting off track. <laughs> now, did you ever come to regret this choice? Because it's hard enough when you live in the country to go and see a game at the MCG, let mm-hmm. alone go and see the Eagles play. How often did you get to see them play? Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> um, we sort of went down to Melbourne maybe once or twice a year. But, I mean, my whole family is split across the board. We're quite a weird family. So my... um. My poor dad never got his Tigers supporter. My brother chose Essendon. Um, We had a very pushy uncle and he kind of just went uh, across with him. And then my little sister, when we come down on one trip to see Essendon play, they played the Bulldogs and Bulldogs won. And she thought it was hilarious that our brother's team had lost. So she started going for the Bulldogs. So between the three of us, um, our Melbourne footy trips were kind of like divvied up between (laughs) all these teams. A lot of (laughs) vengeful choices. (laughs) I can just hear your dad's heart like shit. Oh, that is so shitty, but awesome at the same time. I think we should get your dad on. (laughs) We should take your dad to the footy with us. We'll be his daughters. I think he would love you guys a lot more than he loves me. (laughs) Well, um, at what stage for you, we'll we'll skip through your teenagehood until now, I suppose. At what stage for you did you become obsessed? obsessed with the eagles or were you obsessed growing up has this happened later in life yeah i think i got pretty obsessed probably in my early teenage years and then sort of around the years of 2005 2006 when we got back in those grand finals against sydney um they were my last two years of high school um so that was sort of like peak obsession and then after that i moved to melbourne for university and Yes, we didn't play a lot of games in Melbourne, but I went to every game we played in Melbourne. So got at least four or five a year. So that was when I was like, yep, you know, completely on board. Um, 
I think I've always sort of just been a bit footy obsessed. Like growing up in the country, like country footy is a big thing as well. So always was around watching footy. And like I said before, because we had so many different teams in our family, we were always watching different footy games at home Mm. every weekend too. So yes, I was obsessed with the Eagles, but I was just obsessed with the game too. So I was like, any excuse to watch any game, I was happy with. Uh, My brother's lived in WA for more of his life than he ever lived in Victoria. And he comes with, being Western Australia, comes with a certain kind of... Uh, I don't know how to say it, like distaste for the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I often, when I speak to Eagles fans, it often comes with a, oh, you guys are always going to do mm. better than us because you don't have to fly every game. You know, yeah. we're not really part of the national competition. You know, there's kind of all... It's I, like how people in Tassie call us the mainland. Yeah, it's, it's a bit very of a, like yeah. us Separatists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, yeah, in, in West Australia, it's very much over East. Do you kind of, did you have any of those hang-ups as an Eagles fan? Like, did you resent the fact that... Eagles have to come over here and play finals at the MCG or grand final at the MCG? Mm, like a little bit because I know the strain it puts on the team, but also from a selfish point of view, this is where I live. So I'm really yeah. happy that they can come <laughs> over convenient. here and play a grand final in the town that I live in. Um, but yeah, it's interesting when I meet other Eagles fans and try to like form those sort of fan bonds with your fellow teammates. Um it really does take me a while to kind of, I guess, prove my worth there because I think they do look at me a bit strangely and like, oh, well, you're not part of like the WA sort of Eagles mm. cult. So you don't know what it's like for us to have to travel for the grand final or scramble for tickets and do all those kind of things. But I think like once they sort of get past that and they know that I'm just not like a, I know bandwagon fan that I have supported them my whole life, then we get past that um, pretty easily. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I do find myself sometimes on like what you would call like the West Coast um, sort of debates in terms of, like the media coverage here in Melbourne. Yeah. Like I get so angry about how Melbourne media covers the Eagles, um, especially like leading up to the grand final. Can you give me an example? Like what do you mean by that? Yeah, Can you give me an example? For sure. So leading up to the grand final, um, there was just so many commentators who obviously had not really paid too much attention to West Coast throughout the year, which is fine, but they were making big calls like – West Coast don't travel well and you know they're going to have to come over here and play on the MCG and what a challenge and I was just like we're undefeated in in um, Melbourne this year like we have won two games at the MCG already finished like, second on the ladder, <laughs> well. ladder. we beat Collingwood twice already like come on guys give us some credit like it's not I think they just like to repeat that same old West Coast narrative which like I can understand because it's not like you know they're really saturated here with all of the other football news but also mm. I was like come on just but pay attention to my Eagles does that also make it a little bit more satisfying now that you've won the flag yeah I mean this week's been great I've been walking around like told you so <laughs> that's, that's also kind of representative of like footy media as a whole where like all that has to happen is that one person says the eagles don't travel well and then that's the narrative because yep. everyone yep. just you get a week of the exact same stories being told on every single show in every different way mm-hmm. as Alistair Clarkson said you're all a bunch of sheep you're all a bunch of <laughs> sheep he was onto something for that can that be the last time we quote him on this yeah, show oh, <laughs> I love Clarko uh, well have you spent much time in the west though because it is really a unique bubble I don't think we in the east coast quite will ever understand what it's like to live in Adelaide a two team town or live in Perth a two team mm-hmm. town and the the kind of hero Sydney Queens, even. the Queensland, oh, Queen, oh yeah, maybe New South less Wales. So. <laughs> no, 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 the Derby, the Derby, oh, no. much cities. more in footy actual towns that you yeah. know, footy, yeah. footy first towns, um, because because of the Derby or the Derby, but also because of the hero status that the footballers take on there, and and West and West Coast have kind of been maybe suffered from that a little bit in the mid two thousands as well. Did you ever get an insight into the insanity of the kind of 
West Coast bubble? Yeah, not really. That's something I'm probably really removed from, um, which would also be why, like, I still really blindly defend a lot of players from um, those times when they probably were struggling with those issues because I don't know what it's like to live in a a city like that where the focus on those footballers is so different. Um, I've been to Perth a couple of times to go watch them, but probably only about five times in my whole lifetime. So I haven't spent an extended period of time there. So I have no idea what that would be like. And um, when I do sort of mix with people from Perth, the funniest thing like that they talk about is like all these sort of rumours that you would hear from like different players at different like clubs at different Mm. times throughout the club's history and I always just find that fascinating because that's the kind of stuff I just don't hear as a fan based in Melbourne. Like yeah. I only sort of consume like the footy news or what's in the papers. Um, I don't get that sort of inside gossip. So I'm always like um, <clears throat> I'm not shocked because I know I, I don't think I'm that naive. But then also I'm just like, oh, was it really that bad during that <laughs> era? Oh, Okay. I won't just blindly defend Ben Cousins anymore, I guess. Oh, <laughs> but, um, I do feel sorry for I Ben do Cousins. Still feel sorry for ben. <laughs> so, Casey, you've also in the last few years turned your fandom into kind of what you do now. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do and your big deadline that you've got coming up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I do quite a few different things. Um, I guess that my primary focus at the moment is um, completing my PhD. So I'm doing a PhD at the moment, which is focused on female fans of elite male sports. Um, and I'm doing that uh, sort of through a creative writing PhD. So I'm actually doing some fiction writing and looking at um, female fan culture through lenses of gender performances and mm. um, the relationships female fans have with other women in those spaces where they're constantly performing elements of gender to fit in. So that's a really interesting um space it's that I'm like working in. Live. It's like you've made yeah. us into a script. Literally. <laughs> Who's going to play me in the movie? <laughs> well, you'll have to read the book and find out. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. Uh, but I guess that was kind of born of um, my experiences uh, working professionally in the football industry. So my background is um, I worked uh, three years for the AFL and I worked three years for the Western Bulldogs um, because coming down from the country and doing a un- university degree in communications, that was always the goal was I wanted to be a sports writer and write about footy and that was my dream and I got into this space and I just thought how is this kid from the country working in the country's most elite sporting spaces and what I noticed after a couple of years is just how I changed so much of my behavior to fit in more in those environments and it was interesting as well because I was such a fan of the um the other side of it as well it wasn't like I was sort of working for a business that I was clocking in at nine every day and clocking out at five and forgetting about it like I was doing at that and then consuming all of the footy shows that mm. as soon as I got home and going to the games on weekends like it just sort of really consumed my life and I started doing my um honours degree and I was sort of trying to write a little bit about um to go back to one of my loves Ben Cousins and what it was like to sort of um have a flawed hero And I was writing that and unconsciously what was coming through was a lot of these things that I was doing um, to frame my gender in these really like hyper-masculine spaces. And it just made me think about how I was treating other women. Mm. Like how? Could you give me an example of that? Yeah, definitely. Like I think it comes down to um, what's sort of come through in um, like popular culture in the last couple of years, um, that sort of cool girl concept um, Mm. where, you know, you sort of try and play up some like – 
typical masculine ideals to fit in more with guys, like making sure you, you know you're drinking the same beers that they're drinking. Um, you're not being too like typically feminine. Um, you're laughing along with sexist jokes. Um, so you're then, not being hysterical. Yes, trying not to be hysterical. <laughs> you won't chime in to talk shit about other women. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think when I started doing that research, I was looking at. Um, specifically the relationship with other men and I was like oh yeah I've definitely done that I've definitely um, not said how I've really felt or I've definitely changed my behavior to fit in but then what I come to realize later was actually I haven't looked at what that what damage that did to the other women who were in that space or my other female friends because I did a lot of things like if they made a comment about like something my friend was wearing I didn't say like that's my friend she can wear whatever she wants like I laughed along too and that stuff I'm really ashamed about but I did that because being a part of that world was just so important to me and so mm. special to me that it I just couldn't like <laughs> comprehend that that was an issue like mm. it just completely took me over so I'm trying to sort of work through those issues and and why um sort of some women do feel the need to still do that um in those spaces today in like a creative way in the book mm. that I'm writing so hopefully I can sort of tease out some answers with that stuff because I think um being aware of it's definitely the first step but also it's so ingrained in me now that I still find mm. myself doing yeah. those things so I've really got to pull well, myself up a lot you kind of learn it in like in school oh yeah being like you know i'm i'm more friends with guys than they are than i are with girls i'm one of the boys all that kind of stuff and it's seen as like a badge of honor because Mm -hmm. society is so misogynistic that to be one of the girls is a bad thing inherently and we all know it even if we don't express it in such black and white terms when we're young definitely and i think in fandom in particular i found the conflict in my life as a footy fan was to I love footy for all the reasons I love footy. I love talking about it. I love watching all the shows, talking about trades. But I also, you know, think Dusty's hot, and I want to be able to say <laughs> we know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, for, for yeah. example. And I yeah. want to, and but I used to feel, you know, for a long time that maybe I couldn't talk about those things that I want to talk about. I couldn't yeah. be like, how cute is Dusty? Or like that was a reductive form of fandom yeah. that people assume the yeah, only yeah, reason like those women two are interested exist in yeah. conflict. Like, yeah. yeah, but if but if I but if I said that, but it undo that people yeah. that people would judge me and be like, yep. oh, you're not really a footy fan. Mm-hmm. So I had to keep up appearances, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which obviously this space has allowed me to do both yeah. those things. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Because that's what it should do, and it's the same. Um. Like not all women's experience of football is the same. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some women who just can't look at like male players in that sort of way because. For them, it does something different. And then there are some women who are sexually attracted to the players and that's how they experience the game but it doesn't take away their fandom from it. And there are some women who are just not interested in watching all the footy shows and reading all the papers. They just like to go to the game and enjoy it for what it is and not analyse it. Yeah, and yeah, totally. it doesn't make any difference to that level of fandom that each of those women have. Um, but I've found that I just couldn't separate that when I was looking at women I was only looking at my experience of fandom and how I was performing my gender to be accepted by the boys that like mm. yeah ashamedly I did put other down other women if they said they found like someone sexually attractive on the field because I was like what are you doing like that's not what they're there for but also like why not like if that's how you enjoy football and you're making a comment as a heterosexual woman and that's how you enjoy looking at someone like go for it like and you're yeah. a football fan in yeah. your own right like so it's taken me a lot to sort of 
undo all of those biases that I had. So, oh, yeah, it's hard totally. work. <laughs> it is. What Such was a cool piece of work, yeah. though. Yeah, it is, isn't it's it? It's reminding yeah. me, like, I've done a bunch of writing about, like, pop music fan communities and there's there's always that thing I come up against when – you write about say boy bands and their female fans and there is such like a the idea of like observer and like idol is such a massive one as well when like that people someone like Ben Cousins for example where you had this image of him as like a hero and someone to be looked up at Mm -hmm. and like just like this there's this power imbalance as well where you're just like you can't see that person as human and like what am I trying to say like someone who's filled with like faults and like yeah. clearly like it's something that you it sounds like you've reckoned with as well as the idea of like someone who you kind of had hero worship for as like yeah. being a flawed human being. Definitely. And I think that sort of comes like across in the work that I'm doing too because a lot of people will question me about the work that I've done previously in football and like, well, you know, you've worked with those players before, you know they're all human, you know their faults, like hasn't that sort of taken the shine off of it for you? And I just like think how I want to experience my fandom is to still keep them at that hero status, still keep them on those Mm. pedestals because for me that's the special part about football Mm. is it's, yes, I know on like the baseline they are all human and people make mistakes and and we're not all perfect. But for me to enjoy football is I want to idolise all of my players and there's something special that I can look up to and they give me so many other messages of, of hope and, and excitement. So, like, I'm trying to sort of find a way that I can sort of compartmentalise that sort of, like, fan worship status for me so I can still keep enjoying the sport but then also be able to um, sort of come out of that at the times when I need to when things do happen that are not okay. Um, and I think that's the best way to do fandom is like you should still have heroes that you idolise. You should still enjoy the game for for what it is, but also you should be able to sort of come out of it every now and then if you do need to reckon with something that's a bit more complicated. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely been part of the journey and it's still just like a balance. Like I don't have 100% right either because it's fandom. Like, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's ebbs and flows. It changes all the time. It it's always... illogical. Fandom you know, <laughs> you know, is illogical. Yeah, it's, it's emotional. True. It's not rational. Um, but, yeah, I think what I'm hoping with this PhD is at the end of it, if nothing else, I sort of just come to come to football with like – an approach that I feel really comfortable with as a feminist, as a fan, as someone who acknowledges everyone else's experiences of the game that are different from my own because I'm also coming at my fandom from, you know, a heterosexual white woman, um, cisgendered woman. So I know my experience is so much different from everyone else's too. So I'm hoping just to sort of be a bit more aware, a bit more respectful, but then also knowing that I can enjoy the football in its own right as well. I think bloody everyone should... Read your PhD when you die. <laughs> We're all just like sitting here yeah. nodding. Furiously oh, nodding. God, yes. I feel like um, you've just given her the quote for the front of the book to be published as well. I think everyone should bloody read this. Bloody everyone should Amy read this. Yes. I'll be quoting you, Amy. <laughs> Amy bloody Charleston. <laughs> so speaking of hero worship, before we get on to talking about the almanac, let's maybe put a divide between fandom and your work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, who was your richo growing up in West Coast? Was it Ben Cousins? It's such a hard one because I think it's a bit split because I think my original Richo was Glenn Jackovich. Oh, yes. Loved Jacko. Um, And I think that kind of started because 
like I wasn't too aware of him when I was little, but I just always remembered his number and I remembered sort of um, his nickname, Jacko. And then my dear great-grandmother knitted me a teddy bear um, <gasps> with the West Coast like Guernsey on it um, and she put the number 27 on the back and I was oh just like, God. well, this is my player and I still <gasps> have that teddy bear and oh. it would be like, oh, God, 25 years old. Um and I still remember her complaining about it because she made one for my, my brother and my sister um, and she could knit like the Essendon jumper and she could um, she actually knitted my little sister a uh, South Mildura um, teddy bear because it was oh. um, the Geelong jumper, which is easier to knit, and she hadn't picked a team at that point. She was too young. She wasn't Bulldogs yet. But she um, couldn't knit the Eagles jumper and she had to cut out yellow felt with the eagle head and it was a real drama for her. It's a very elaborate design. (laughs) (laughs) So I was really appreciative that she went to that effort. So I was like, yep, Jacko's my guy. And then, yeah, I guess when Ben Cousins came along, it was probably at that right, really impressionable age. And like, yes, I I had a bit of a crush on him because he sort of had that, you know, Backstreet Boys haircut. Well, yeah, he was a rock star. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of just became this figure that um, it kind of moved beyond that, oh, you know, he's cute. It's like, no, he's actually amazing. He just has this incredible capacity to change a game and – what he did throughout those uh, two grand finals, even in the losing one, um, was nothing short of amazing. But then also at that same time, there was some things going on that probably, yeah, tarnished that a little bit. So I think I'll always say that Jacko is my richo. <laughs> <laughs> Just really quickly, have you resolved your feelings about Cousins? I feel like so extraordinarily sad when I see him in the news. Mm-hmm. And I know the media has talked a lot about how perhaps the AFL failed him. Uh, and yeah. Uh, how do you feel? feel about that now I'm still incredibly sad for him um yeah it breaks my heart every time I see him on the news um especially recently uh, because you just think it's so long that he has been going through this but I think how I look at it now is he's not the player that I loved anymore Mm. he's a different person and it's starting just to break my heart thinking about his family especially his Mm. father Brian um who's just gone through so much and, um, and you know, thinking about like his ex-partner and his two little girls and I just think about what he's doing to the people around him and that's probably something that I think about more now as who he is and I will always love who he was and what he did for me yeah. in those years and for, and for the West Coast Eagles and the joy he brought me. But right now, yeah, it just makes me sad and, and it, uh, I'm pretty disappointed in, in how he's turned out and I just – every time he comes up on the news, I just think of his family. I just hope mm. his family are okay. Funny yeah. story, I actually bought a Richmond membership when he went to uh, <gasps> Did you? Wow. A dual citizen. <laughs> I was for a few years. Why? Yes. What? Just because you wanted to go a little bit with him? Like I wanted to go a little bit with him and I sort of made this like executive decision that I was going to the football all the time anyway. I wasn't seeing that many West Coast games in Melbourne and the cheapest way to go to a lot of football was to buy a membership. So I picked a club and I was like, well, I'm going to go Richmond because Ben's there. Um, you also first see name him. basis. Yeah. <laughs> also, oh, Benny boy. Your dad, your dad I, finally got his way. Oh, yeah, he was very happy. Um, he was really upset when I let it go. <laughs> well, I always said that if Dusty had have left that I was going to have to become a dual citizen. So I get it. Did I you ever it. consider going to Carlton with Juddy? Nah, nah. Because <laughs> Juddy, Juddy abandoned Ew. us at a time when we needed him most. But, I mean, I've got no hard feelings now. I really appreciate Josh Kennedy, so <laughs> fine. I mean, honestly, same. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so, Casey, you're the women's footy editor of the Footy Almanac. Mm-hmm. And was it the recent um, release, was that the first print edition of the Women's Footy Almanac? Uh, so it's the second. So um, we did do one in 2017 to document the first season and that's how I first uh, got involved with the Women's Footy Almanac. I contributed a couple of pieces to that and then this year I was lucky enough to come on board as um, the editor of the book. So this is the second one and hopefully it's something we can do for every season because I think it's incredibly important to document women's history um, because I think, as we know, sort of going back, especially with women's football, there's just not a lot of history of the women's game documented. So, yeah, it's been really exciting to be it's part of the book this year. Because we were doing everything and we couldn't <laughs> document it as well. <laughs> Bloody we were hell. so lazy back then, weren't we, us women? <laughs> we were just saying off air that, like, when people, when you tell people about your PhD, they kind of think, like, oh, women's sport, that's a new thing. Yeah. You're just, like, <laughs> jumping on that wave that's going on. Yeah, I think they think I'm really opportunistic. Like, they're like, oh, you're just capitalising on, like, AFLW. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> no. Where do, do we begin? Just for yeah. people listening that might not know what the almanac is, mm-hmm. can you explain how it works? Yeah, definitely. So I guess the Footy Almanac uh, started back in 2007. It's sort of the um, baby of John Harms who really wanted to create something that was fan-driven, that was content created by fans, writing about football in like a unique way that wasn't just covering the game. It was fan stories. It was like the heart of the football community. And they were able to publish a book every year that sort of covered every game in the season plus some extra stories. So he's been doing that for a long time. Um I sort of had written a couple of pieces for um, the website because uh, you can you can sign up and be a member and contribute all you like, um, which is great because it just makes it uh, such a diverse range of voices that are writing for that website. So I'd written a couple of pieces um, about the West Coast Eagles, um, but I was always really cautious because I was sort of working in the industry at the time, so I didn't want to write too much external stuff. So when mm. I finished up working and um, went full-time with my PhD, I sort of went um, went more across to doing more stuff with them. And what they ended up doing was a woman called Yvette Roby, who's just this absolute amazing woman who's just so passionate about the women's game. She approached John and just said, hey, we're about to have our first women's season. How about we do a version of the Footy Almanac book that's for the women's season? He was like, yeah, absolute no-brainer. Let's do it. So she kind of put all that effort in in the first season, rallied up a bunch of writers, um, including myself, got everyone involved. And um, we put out this amazing book, which is sort of the only book of its kind that was covered every game in detail, um, was all written and driven by fans. And once that sort of happened, I was like, yeah, I've got to get involved and I want to do more in this space. Because for me, it was it gave me a place in the women's game as well because I wasn't really sure how I fit in in that space as a fan because I didn't have a team. West Coast Mm. Eagles still don't have a team. Um, We'll be waiting another year. Um, And I'd never had that drive to like to want to play the game um, because, I mean, I'm really lazy. I hate (laughs) running around. Um, I was always happy just sitting in the stands. So I didn't fit into that narrative of, you know, all these women who would deny those opportunities and I didn't have those stories. I just wanted to be there to support women. And then the Almanac for me just opened up all these opportunities. So it was like, okay, I can get there. I can write about the game and contribute to this great book. And um, they've just done such an amazing job even um, this year just – across all sports it doesn't even have to be football that website just takes um the writing of passionate fans and puts it out there which um yeah is pretty much just a testament to the type of person john is he's just a real driver of um that community spirit and and that fan spirit and just makes for really great reading you recently read a piece for the guardian as well interviewing erin phillips about 
becoming a coach yeah. in the WNBA, mm-hmm. which is really cool. You seem to take some things away from her that maybe could be applied back here uh, to the AFLW, particularly the way that we're supporting women getting into coaching and stuff. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I spoke to Erin, actually, um, I spoke to her in the States when I was uh, there um, in the middle of the year when she was uh, assistant coach of the Dallas Wings basketball side, which is what she does in the offseason um, from her playing career in the AFLW. And it was just after we'd lost, um, you know, Beth Goddard and Michelle Cowan as two senior um, coaches in the AFLW. And I was trying to talk to her about why she thinks that is and she was just like, there's no support. There's no support coming through um, to sort of bring everyone up to that level. And I looked at the WNBA and across all their teams, it was 50-50 male and female coaches. Um, And you look at that competition and, yeah, it's 20 years old. So it's a bit like more, um, more developed than what the AFLW is. But you also should think that the AFL would be looking at leads like that and how they got mm. to those points yeah. to take some lessons. Well, um, 20 years ago to get to a point where it's split almost 50-50 is pretty incredible. So yeah, definitely. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, to, for yeah, sure. Yeah, look for those leagues. Yeah, so um, hopefully, I don't know, I think this little season that we have coming up, I'm calling it a little season. Yeah, it's like a very, mini um, purposefully. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand um, it. I I should we just call it a round robin? Yeah, well, it's just barely a round robin. robin. Yeah. In a round robin, you play everyone, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> good point. Um, but, yeah, I'm sort of tr- – like in my mind, like I mean, I'll be excited to watch it because I love watching women's footy, mm. but I almost think it's like – and I hope it is kind of a bit of a placeholder for – the next few years of the competition when we do have all those additional teams coming in. Like I'm hoping they think, oh, you know, this will be the only time that we have this amount of teams. Let's just kind of do this. And in the future, it's going to look really great. Um, Hopefully that's their plan. Um, (laughs) But I would be hoping that they are looking at people like Erin, who's got the experience of coaching and knowing that she's probably, you know, almost at the end of her career and starting to, talk to people like that who have been around the game for a long time who have the expertise and starting to tee them up for those roles and putting them in supporting roles um so they can take the reins in a couple years time and we can have some female coaches back at the helm of some women's football clubs hopefully within the next couple of years because it is pretty shameful that it's all male coaches right now yeah it's really disappointing it almost seems unbelievable to me it seems harder to have got all male coaches yeah than to have, you know, than to have had female coaches. It seems yeah. like that would be more of an effort, but it's where we've landed. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you've been such a big fan of um, men's footy for a long time, what does women's, do you feel, what does women's footy give to you or provide you with that maybe men's footy doesn't? Do you view them through different eyes? Do you feel about them in different ways? I think I do. I think the thing that I've come to love the most about women's footy is the community because I don't think I've had that in the men's game before. I think I've always felt a bit isolated or a bit on edge, um, particularly attending live games. Um, like most of the time I do end up attending um, men's football alone, um, mostly because I just I don't want to have to go through those performances anymore and I just want to sit there and enjoy the game. But also like I feel like, you know, people might be watching me and thinking who's this like random girl alone at the footy and I think that does take away from my enjoyment sometimes whereas going to the women's game 
I feel like there are so many people who go to that sport because it offers them a space to enjoy themselves. It's non-judgmental. You're there to celebrate more than the game. Like some people who go along aren't even interested in the game. They're just interested in the movement. But that doesn't take away from the game either. And you've got legitimate fans there who are cheering on the women and it's just such a great balance of people. So mm-hmm. I always feel really welcome in that space. I always meet someone new. I feel like I'm like people are more approachable and you can have more like interesting conversations. Um, you get some really great fan stories. But I don't feel that way at men's football. And maybe that's just my experience. But I always feel like I'm going there for a very specific reason. I'm going to watch the footy. And sometimes that can be a very deliberate process. Like I will have to sort of, you know, make sure I'm sitting not near large groups of drunk men because that makes me feel unsafe. Or, um, you know, I try and find seats away from the opposition supporter um, supporters because that makes me feel unsafe as a West Coast Eagles fan in Victoria by herself. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a very, like, I feel very, I go about watching men's footy very strategically. But I mean, the payoff for me kind of balances out because I love watching my West Coast Eagles. But I don't have any of that apprehension in the women's game. The women's game for me is just really fun. And it's a really fun way to connect with other people and also enjoy the sport. Um, also, like, I don't have a team, as I said before, in the women's league as yet. Yeah. So I'm just Same. <laughs> still <laughs> waiting. Um, so I guess, like, from that point of view, like I do just enjoy being able to watch just such a variety of football and getting to watch so many different teams. Um, so for like the footy nerd in me, it's great because I can go along every week and I can see a different game plan and a different football style and that's really exciting. So I think there's just – it's definitely a different experience. I definitely get different things from both. Also because l- the grounds are smaller as well. Like you do yeah. feel way more – connected to the people around you and also the players because you can get so much closer yeah definitely and it's still I guess it also goes a bit back to like that suburban Mm -hmm. footy that I grew up with yeah so it's it is a really nice feeling also not having a team every game is stress-free yes (laughs) oh my gosh so many people ask me they're just like oh you love football you love football and it's like um yeah I love it but like I don't like it like I don't think anyone (laughs) likes football because you can't enjoy that feeling of watching your team play until that final siren really so you have to love it um there's no like in football but like I can like the women's league like I can thoroughly enjoy a whole game (laughs) but I don't like sitting and watching a game of like my team play like that is not an enjoyable experience (laughs) and just like I just need to end on this because we've probably got to wrap it up now but just tell me what did it feel like sitting at the G on the weekend because that was such an extraordinary game if you didn't go for either team but it would have been yeah. excruciating if you went for Collingwood or well Eagles right up until the end. Yeah, it was excruciating. That's a really good word to um, describe it because there was no relief that whole game until she'd kicked that goal and even then I had no idea how much time was left um, because of the pace of the game and what had happened. Like basically after the first quarter, anytime we sort of broke pressure and got a goal, Collingwood got one right back. So I just assumed that that was going to happen. Um, I was... I've got like nail marks in my thighs because I was like putting my <laughs> nails into my thighs. Um, and when that siren went, like, yeah, I cried. Like there were tears. and um, I, I was, cried at the start of the game last year, so you did well. <laughs> <laughs> I was too like tense to cry um, all through the game. But, yeah, I just like as I said at the top, like there are just there are no words to explain that moment. 
but all I want to do is talk about it. So I just want to say, like, there are no words. There are no <laughs> words. There are no words. But um, I just – to try and contextualise just what it felt like, all I can do is just smile. Like, that's the only response I had. I totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Did you go on your own to the game or did you have some friends? So I um, like I knew some people who um, like I used to work with um, who were there. So I sort of went alone but I did see people on the day and um, I watched most of the game by myself because I just couldn't handle being around other people. Um, and then towards the end I actually found a friend who um, – She's actually a Geelong supporter, but she used to work for the West Coast Eagles for a few years. And so she was very, very invested. Um, she now has moved to um, Victoria to work. So we went and watched the last quarter together because we were the only two people that we could find that who knew each other who, like, loved the Eagles. And we um, sort of went out into the open and um, were around a lot of Collingwood supporters. <laughs> so when they kicked those first two goals in the last quarter, I was like, we've made a dumb decision. We should just go back and, like, stand at the back with everyone else. Um and I think it was actually really enjoyable to be able to have someone like with you at that final siren, just like jump up and just like hug. Um, yeah. So I will cherish that moment for the rest of my life, I think. So thank you, Ella, for joining me and putting putting out <laughs> with me in that final moment because I think if I'd done the whole like like victory arms, jumping up and down by myself, I might have looked a bit strange. <laughs> I think a lot of people would, look, would have been looking strange <laughs> along with you. Uh, but, yeah, so that's sort of how my, my game day went. So it was good towards the end to have um, sort of like I guess a semi-fellow eagle to enjoy the moment with. <laughs> Oh, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. For people who want to check out the almanac and more of your writing, where can they do that? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so if people want to check out the Women's Footy Almanac, they can head to um, the Footy Almanac website, footyalmanac.com.au. We've got the books for sale there. Um, and there's also a lot of great fan writing there if they want to go through the website and have a read. The book is also available in a couple of selected bookshops. And, um, yeah, we'll be gearing up for Season 3 of the AFLW. So if anyone's interested in contributing or becoming an Almanac member and writing for us, just hit us up. So one thing that we learned from Casey after the mics went off just then is that apparently there's an extended version of the Eagles theme song, which TBH is my new second favourite theme song in the league, um, that has like verses and like some kind of narrative arc. What I happens to what the they talk about? What happens to the big bird? Oh. Does he move to Sesame Street? <laughs> I do have a friend that <laughs> wants to get a premiership tattoo and I think that could be it. like big bird in the eagles jumper she was really drunk by the time i saw her on the weekend but you know i think it could work i I feel like idea i think that sound to me sounds like one of those t-shirts i owned in the mid the late 90s when i pretended that i was doing lots of ecstasy that kind of were like (laughs) pretended the the, the panadol (laughs) well i did ecstasy later but not at the age that i was wearing the t-shirt um but off the road no i didn't i didn't do any drugs are bad (laughs) so anyway so we learned that from ben cousins (laughs) Oh, sorry. What was your T-shirt? It was like the Panadol packet, but it said Paranoid. Oh, yeah, yeah. They and were to me, cool. Yeah, and that reminds me of one of those. Like it's Big Bird oh, in the Eagles so T-shirt. True. Yeah. This is like my friend was talking about having one of these in the mid-2000s recently and it was like Andy Warhol's face and hair, but big, like Notorious B.I.G.'s yeah. face. <laughs> that but was Andy cooler Warhol's hair. Mine. That's cooler. Do you know what she should get is like the West Coast Eagles 
jersey, but instead of the eagle, it's Big Bird. Oh, that's good. That's oh. a graphic design is your passion. It really is. Because <laughs> Big Bird didn't wear any clothes. Famously na- nude. Famous, nude. Famously, you know, genderless as well. Genderless and nude. Completely nude. Um, well, thanks for listening to another <laughs> perfect Wild episode and wacky of episode. Girls. Just get used to a lot more of this in the off season. Because we're going to be taking heaps of ecstasy. And We've had- <laughs> Every day is a mad Monday for us. It's Wednesday night. We're does, tired. Does ecstasy even still exist? I sound like I'm about 55 you know, years old. Do you know what I realised? Get on the dope. Do you know what I realised recently? My friend tweeted something that was like, hey, can anyone confirm that anyone outside Australia knows, like refers to um, it drugs as pingers? And people oh. were like chiming in. And then I was like, as a Queenslander, can anyone confirm if anyone outside Queensland refers to them as eckies? Oh, oh yeah. They were eckies for a while. Oh, were they? Yeah. Eckies, pingers. What else? Red Mitsubishi's. Flippers. I went to a show at the theatre recently, the Malthouse oh, the Theatre, theater, where they mentioned doing Red Mitsubishi's. Oh, really? And I was like, topical. Hello. <laughs> kind of. You're so fancy. Yeah, I love art. <laughs> um, so if you love art as well, you can follow us on Instagram where we post some um, beautiful images of us with all of our guests. Um, if no one's around to take a photo of us, we get really creative with how to um, pose and take the photos. Take a selfie, self-timer. End of list. End of list. Um, we're <laughs> at Fangirls, F-A-N-G-R-R-L-S on Facebook and Instagram, Fangirls Pod on Twitter and send us an email, fangirlspodcast at gmail.com. Can you tell us what you're doing in the off-season break, how you're filling up your footy tank? Um <laughs> <laughs> is that yucky? Yeah, I don't know why. It's not. Is, is, it, a, is okay. that a technical term? Yeah. Footy tank? Yeah, your footy tank's Ooh. running on empty and you need Caro, you need um, us, you need – what are you listening – you're listening to the 93. I'm listening the, to the a season that was. really great podcast. Guys, if you're listening, you're doing a bloody bang-up job. It's called The Greatest Season That Was 93. I'm halfway through the Richmond episode. So they go through um, – I think they go through each team that was in the league at that time. Mm. I'm learning a lot because I was a Oof. baby and didn't know what AFL was at that in that year. It is incredible. It's so well researched. They get they get a guest on from each team in that year, and it's a wild ride. It is really just, good, isn't it? It's it's like a drug. It's like ecstasy, and I just want more of it. Um, so but- you can subscribe to Amy's <laughs> podcast, Pingers. <laughs> The greatest season that was known. Pingers podcast. And don't forget the next time you're out doing pingers, turn around to a stranger next to <laughs> Give someone you, a hug. Give them a hug and whisper in their ear, have you heard about this really great podcast? It's called Fangirls. And get them to download it's it like, on their phone. It's like pingers. It's like pingers, but better. And you can tone down. Try to be quiet. And you can slow down. Because you can't keep up.